Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. Might be afternoon where you are, might be evening where you are. I'm going to say good morning. We're not in Vietnam, but there's a lot happening where it kind of feels like Vietnam War at times. We have a lot to talk about. I'm going to be talking about external news. I'm going to be talking about internal news. I'm going to be talking about an underdog crypto as I promised. Then I'm going to be sharing some information to help some of you that were unfortunately taken for a ride by one of the tokens we covered before. That coverage is going to happen a little bit later in the show. For right now, let's go ahead and get into our news at the top of it. And I'm going to start with our internal news first and then get to our external news. Internal news, we've rebranded. The rebrand does not really affect the podcast or any listener, but you need to understand it was part of the plan to make these changes we did talk about. And if you're new to the show, CryptoTalkRadio.net, for those first listening, where you can find all our podcasts, we talked about the fact that the podcast group is going to be going through a number of different changes, a roadmap starting in March and continuing through April. We've started the process in March. It's been successful so far. We still have a lot to do, but... Suffice it to say, we're on our way. And just to resummarize what we're doing, because again, there are some new listeners, resummarize what's going on. In the month of March, we're going to be moving. This isn't going to happen in the short term, but this is what we're working on. We're going to be moving the podcast Basic Cryptonomics that you're listening to right now over to a new hosting platform. The hosting platform it's going to is the same platform Gentleman's World is currently on. Gentlemen's World has been very successful on that platform, surprisingly so. They've taken very well care of us. It's a lot easier to see the stats. It's a lot easier to manage who's listening to what. The only downside of the new host is it means that anybody who's subscribed on Substack, which is the host, and I believe we have a couple people over there, and one person in particular who does go through and listens and likes and comments, and we have some activity there. And anybody who's listening to the show and you subscribed on Substack or you listen on Substack, which would be basically the web, means that you don't have it on your iTunes or your Spotify or anything. You get an email from us and then the email tells you, here's a new episode and you click it and you listen. That's Substack. If you're there, that that's the host and that's what's changing. We're not dropping Substack for the foreseeable future, but Substack's going to change form. It's going to become essentially our conduit for subscriptions, for updates, notifications, emails, anything where we need to message with you. But that email subscription is not going to notify you about new episodes. You're going to need to subscribe either through the new host, that's an option, or through one of the podcasting platforms, again, at CryptoTalkRadio.net. So if you haven't done that, you might suggest doing that for now, or you can download a podcast application on your mobile device, listen to it that way. If you're a computer user that listens to the podcast, and I know there's quite a few of you, I would recommend Spotify first on the list. If you have issues with Spotify or you're not a fan of Spotify, my second recommendation might be to just get one of the plugins for Chrome or Edge. That's a podcast application. All you have to do is either search for Leister Life in the podcast application and it'll find it that way. Or if you go to CryptoTalkRadio.net, you can just click from there and take a choice. iHeartRadio is a good choice as well. Stitcher is a good choice as well. TuneIn Radio is also available as well as Audible. So there's a number of different platforms where you can, through the web, subscribe and get the alerts so that you know when new episodes are coming out and then add it to your platform so that you get the new episodes sent to your device and then listen on your computer or your mobile, whichever you choose. I don't think, again, this will be disruptive. 
I don't think it will be. That's the plan is to make sure it's as non-disruptive and transparent as possible. However, there's a lot of steps. We went through the exercise with Gentleman's World. Gentleman's World has less subscribers right now. So it was easier for us to kick the tires and test and make sure that everything was pretty smooth. For the most part, it was smooth. The one thing that I will say is we will start to recommend and we have on our uh, CryptoTalkRadio.net site, we have some tools that will allow us to recommend to you some podcast applications to choose. Let's say if you have a mobile device or you have a computer, a PC, Windows or Apple, we can recommend, and it's not an endorsement, but at least recommend a podcast application of choice to make sure you can get subscribed to the show. If you are listening on the web, then for you, the only real change would be when the new host comes out, it'll be linked on CryptoTalkRadio.net. You'll need to go there and then resubscribe on the new host. That will then give you those alerts for the new host if you want to continue using the host-based alert system. But the new host does not have the comment. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have the comment feature or the, it has some like like features. It's basic. It's not very advanced. And then the CryptoTalkRadio.net going to Substack will no longer tell you about any new audio episodes. It will only tell you if there's some specific notification that we need to tell you about and make sure you're aware of. That's where you would go for that because the new host doesn't give me that function, at least not easily. There's also a WordPress site behind it. I've built it, but it's not, I'm not really a fan of it. It kind of feels a fraction of what we had before. I'm considering possibly setting up a medium or something else to bridge the gap. But in the short term, the summary of this is from an audio perspective, the host will change. You'll need to go to the new host, resubscribe on the new host, in order to get the alerts for new episodes, if you just listen to the audio, the Substack notifications then will only be anytime we need to inform you of something. That means that anybody that did not subscribe on Substack and instead you just add it to Spotify or iTunes or whatnot, that's okay. But we do recommend that you go ahead and subscribe to the Substack side so that you are informed anytime we do some alerts. We're going to be doing a move. When I say we, I'm talking the organization. We're going to be doing a move. That physical move means we're going to be out of contact for a bit and we're going to update you on what's going on and how things are moving. So that's that conduit substack is going to be the best way for us to keep you in the loop. If you're only through iTunes, Spotify, Google, or whatnot, you're not going to get those notifications and we won't have your email address. By subscribing through substack, we'll be able to get the email address and we'll be able to keep you in the loop about what's going on. So that's what's going on in the internal side. Let's go ahead and talk about the external news because there's quite a bit of it, some of which is probably already well-known, some of which probably isn't. The president of the United States is back on the trail of talking about the executive order that they're gonna be doing and he wants to do, and we know what it is. It's, it's the precursor to a ban on cryptocurrency. The current administration, the current people in office, it has nothing to do with Democrat, Republican. The current people in office don't want individuals in the United States to make their own wealth. They don't want it. So they want to do everything they can to lock it down, block it, make it just like trading with stock, make it just like fiat, make it hard to get access to things. You got to walk into a bank and show your ID. That's what they want to do. They want to make it hard as possible to where people can't get wealthy in the short term unless you already have wealth to begin with. This is what's happening. So that's scheduled to be released this week. Now, of course, they said 
well, he just wants to get some clarity around regulations. Let's see if we want to do a digital dollar. We're just kind of seeing how we clarify things. Again, it's a precursor to a ban. That's what it is. That's what they want to do. They might even go as far as saying, we'll create a crypto dollar and that's what you have to use if you want to buy anything else or something so stupid. And then all that's going to do is spike things like VPNs and others because people are just going to go illicit if they do that. They also want to kind of look at the, you know, energy uses deep, deep, deep with Bitcoin that's been out there. They want to look at the true environmental impacts. They want to look at the infrastructure needed to support cryptocurrency on a better way. Now, this is all in advance of what we expect will be a blowout in November where the vast majority of who's in office right now is not going to be in office because of all the damage they did in 2021 with the election of the current president. So if that blowout happens as predicted, it's possible that whoever replaces them will roll back a lot of this garbage, like the current administration basically rolled back what Trump tried to put in place that would have kept gas prices low, as an example. The reason that I'm so confident that this is going to essentially be the precursor to a ban, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren's in the Senate. If you don't know that in the United States, she is in the Senate. She is drafting up a bill. This bill wants to track transactions to private wallets. Her, on the surface, what she said, this isn't the truth, but that's what she said. She said it's because we want to track these Russia transactions. All we're doing here is it's, it's smoke and mirrors. We're using Russia as an excuse to basically track everybody's private wallet transactions. Today, your private wallet is essentially anonymous if you don't disclose that information and you don't transact it with one of the public exchanges that's regulated. It's your last vestige for keeping your cryptocurrency private and secure. What she wants to do is, quote, make it easier to verify the identities of customers and transfers to private crypto wallets by requiring financial institutions to keep detailed records and support reports to the Treasury Department. Now, the problem with the unquote, now the problem with that statement is that there's no financial institution behind a private wallet. It's just a wallet. And the private orgs that create the wallets are not going to be able to track any records because there is no record. You can spin up a wallet right now without giving any information. This is tackling the exchanges. What they're essentially saying here is you we're going to try to make it to where to get cryptocurrency, you got to go to an exchange and we want every exchange to duly note through more extensive KYC nonsense who you are and what wallets or things are going to. The problem and the reason why I think this one is doomed to fail is that just because I send crypto to a wallet doesn't mean it's my wallet. It just means I sent to a wallet. That's the nature of the transaction. In order to make this work, the whatever exchange would have to request of you what information you know of around who the wallet holder is. I think that's unsustainable because sometimes you don't know. I just did a purchase earlier where I needed to spend 10 Bitcoin for it because I could have done a credit card. I didn't want to give them a credit card and they didn't support. I couldn't get the uh, crypto directly out of my wallet. So I needed to just go ahead and purchase it from Coinbase and send it to them. Well, I don't know who's behind on that wallet. I have no idea. I don't know who owns it. I don't know. I know the company that I purchased from, but that may not be the owner of the wallet. Could be that the owner of the wallet is a third party, a, cons a contractor or a consultant or something who's doing the work on behalf of this business. For all I know, it wouldn't be proper for me to guess who that is. Now you're talking about all these different companies having to tell me 
okay, we're going to have you send to this wallet and the wallet's owned by this person at this address with this phone number. Here's your social security number. There's no way. There's no way. And so the, that I think is dead in the water. What concerns me is the fact we're even talking about that, that we're even talking about trying to get in people's personal wallets. It would be the same thing as having federal agents walk to your door and say, you need to open up your physical wallet so I can see what credit cards you hold. Cause that's basically the analogy when you're talking cryptocurrency is there is a wallet and you hold various crypto wallets within it, which are essentially your cards and each one correlates to a certain type of cryptocurrency. I don't see it as any different. That's why I'm concerned that they're even talking about that and nobody is slapping her down like has long needed to be the case, her and Pelosi and Schumer. So I'm telling you right now, from my perspective, this is a precursor to trying to get bans in place. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to see have happen is that bans are put in place. We want to make it harder for people to be able to do this. We want to make it harder for people to get their singular wealth because we know that the inflation's out of control and we cause that and we want it to be out of control because we want people to be dependent on the system. It all ties together. There can only be because they don't speak to it. And Saki, circle back, Saki doesn't want to respond anytime she's challenged on it. So we know that there's some sketchy stuff going on. We just don't know what their end game is. I'm saying I speculate it is trying to get a ban and they're trying to cram it in because they know they're going to get blown out in November, as I predict. And they're trying to get it done before they get blown out in November. On another side, Solana. Solana, and I'll even toss in Phantom because I noticed this personally, but Solana, so Solana has, it's its own network, right? And it's got its own application that you can transact with. And there are a lot of different uses for Solana, different coins on the network and so on. The traffic on Solana has decreased dramatically, which is causing people to be a little bit concerned about what the heck is going on. They don't know what's going on. I can speculate and all I can do is speculate, but I speculate that what's really happening is the same thing that's ultimately happening to Phantom that I noticed, which was that Phantom, I went in the other day because I was trying to do some cryptocurrency on the Phantom network. I had one token out there and I was trying to claim it. I think I might've talked about this and I tried to do it and there was no liquidity left. It was trying to charge outrageous fees, which tells me there was no liquidity left. And later I discovered that apparently they had a bunch of people leave the Phantom project. And it was somewhat unexpected and they announced it, but it was somewhat unexpected and it caused a shock to the price. The price really dropped seriously. And it seems like two of these people are like lead developers in the project, which you normally don't want to see lead developers leave a crypto project. It usually means there's some fundamental issue that they detected, especially if they leave roughly around the same time. Now, we also saw that a lot, there's less tokens that are spinning up on the Phantom Network. We're seeing more on the Polygon side. Binance is still hot and heavy, and I think it's increasing very slowly. Avalanche is hot and heavy for sure. And now the Kronos Network I talked about before is starting to gain some traction. But Phantom seems like it's declining. And a lot of the tokens on the Phantom Network, they're, they're basically giving away. They're doing airdrops to try to keep people's interest going on. And they... As they dug into this, it turned out that the main concern was gas. Well, that's interesting because Phantom's gas normally has been very low. It hasn't been anywhere near as high as a Binance, for example. Usually it's like less than 10 cents or less than 20 cents and less than a dollar at the extreme. I know from mine, I had one exchange or actually it was a staking pool 
one staking pool and they want to charge me like $5 to do it. And I'm like, okay, this is something's definitely wrong with this. Well, where this ties in, urine finance, which is a token I have never covered purposely, but urine finance is basically their biggest, it's, it's, I would argue their biggest project that's on the phantom network, or at least has a touch point on the phantom network. It dipped significantly. I want to say it was like 20%. It was, it was a lot. And they tied it back to, again, another departure of a very important person in the process. In this case, this person apparently was planning to leave for a long time, but none of this was communicated to the community. So now you've got these two shocks. You've got the biggest conduit for money movement on the Phantom Network, and one of the key guys leaves there. And then you got the Phantom Network itself, and two people leave off that one. Well, at least on this urine finance business, this guy who left after he left, he started chiming in and he basically said, you know, there's a lot of things that's not working for us and we're going to be shutting some stuff down. And there's a lot that's going to be shut down. That's what hurt the price. If this were the stock market, that dude would probably be in jail because he's basically influencing the price with his announcements after he leaves the process, after he cashes out, right? So he talks about, he says, well, this is not just because of this situation with with Phantom and with Yearn and with our applications. This is a long time coming. I wanted to get out of the space and kind of go off and do another thing. So in his mind, he's justifying it by saying, you know, I, I wanted to do this for a while. This was not a knee-jerk reaction. It was not a knee-jerk decision. I know I've ranted about it before, but that's not what drove this. I'm, I have other motivations for why I did this. In response to this, then, we saw a lot of other tokens that are not part of Phantom and not part of Yearn, but just kind of tertiary. Basically, you have shared investors. You have investors who bought into Yearn and or are on the Phantom network, and then they have some other cryptocurrency as part of their portfolio, right? Doge, of course, everybody's favorite, that usually has been pretty strong, started tumbling every little bit, and it went below 12 cents. That was unexpected. It was unexpected to me. Uh, because Doge has been pretty darn consistent for a long time, even during very rough periods. It has been trending downward, but it's largely been able to maintain value simply by virtue of number of holders, the regular volume is always sky high, and then the supply management aspect of it. Well, now Doge is even starting to take a little bit of a dump. And again, it goes to related investments. With what's happening with urine and urine, I would argue, would have had a lot of whale people bought in. And then the fact that it dumped as much as it did and then what's happening with Phantom, I think they're all connected. I believe that you've got people that were cross-invested in Doge, cross-invested in SHIB, cross-invested in this, cross-invested in Ethereum, Bitcoin, and so many other ones. I think it's like a domino effect where you're basically tanking a whole bunch of these other ones. It's not uniform because we do see that there's other projects that are actually climbing in popularity. Predominantly, it's going to be the one that are doing farming as a service. Those seem to be going up, the passive income type tokens. The challenge is that those are backed by the main tokens, the gas tokens, the stable coins, et cetera. Stable coins, I'm not too much worried about except for Tether because the biggest issue is whether Tether has enough currency behind it to actually remain its stability, right? If we talk about BNB, it's kind of been recovering a little bit, but it's still being harmed because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. 
And then Bitcoin is struggling to get to that 40 and pass the 40 and sustain it for a long period of time. So that's an issue. And then ETH2O is kind of fumbling out there. We don't know what's going on with it and so on. I think they're all related in my opinion as I look at it. Not to say that every single token is down. I actually had somebody on social media saying, well, the whole market's down deep, deep, deep. And I had to screenshot him a piece that says, no, these farming ones are perfectly fine. It's not the whole market that's down. We see that there's certain segments of the market that are having issues, but it does look like they're sell-offs, not that it's a broader sentiment concern. It does seem that there's sentiment issues, and I do think that the executive order is contributing at least to some degree this sentiment harm, but I don't know that it's the, the single point of it. I think there's more to it. I think there's more people's sentiment changing. I talked about the fact I think people are getting tired of NFTs. I talked about the fact that I think by and large, people are just shifting their priorities. They're getting smarter about scams and we're kind of just moving in a different direction. And I could be way wrong, but society I think is just getting smarter with cryptocurrency and what they intend to do with it as opposed to what they were doing with it before. Another big news thing that happened and the reason this made news is because scams are kind of increasing We've talked on YouTube about the different scams and why we do the coverage that we do to try to identify where something's likely to be a scam. We also talked about the fact that cryptocurrency, when we have these projects like Made of Bull Run and then earlier Terrarium, which I'll do an update on that at some point, but they, they're putting these lines saying, ah, it's not investment, ah, it's not security, ah, it's not this. And I'm like, no, that's crap. You will. <laughs> yes, it is an investment. Sorry. Sorry to inform you. You didn't know that, but yes, it is. Well, apparently... And this would have been just either today or possibly a couple of weeks ago. The the feds, they identified the United States, the feds identified that there were some crypto folks and these people, it looks like it's a family, possibly just a brother and sister, but it looks like family is all involved. But apparently what they did is they created these offerings, these crypto offerings, and then these offerings became determined as unregistered securities. You've heard me talk about the fact that we're very close on this borderline of whether or not something is a security or not. And the reason it matters for those that are not in the United States, if it's treated as a security and we define a security and cryptocurrency is very close to that definition of security, it means it falls under the purview of the United States government to regulate and enforce when there's fraud. That means that the cryptos cannot say to you, this isn't an investment. This isn't a security. It's crap because it's not up to them to tell you that it is or isn't an investment or is or isn't a security. You as the investor, that's why we call them that, would determine whether you are making an investment, which by definition, simple definition is I gave you something of value and I expect a return. That's at the simple core an investment. If I handed you a car, I just gave you the keys to the car. And you said that my plan with this car is to sell it at some point for a profit because you're going to fix it up. That's basically an investment, right? But here with cryptocurrencies, they're increasingly trying to tell you, no, it's not an investment. And they're lying to you because yes, it is. If you treat it as such, the securities argument is up to the government and mostly it's United States, but other ones are starting to get smart to it too, that it's backed by something. That's the core simple definition of security is that it's backed by something. Well, every crypto is backed by some form of currency. And that usually is going to be a stable coin and or one of the gas tokens, right? So because it's backed by something, the government has been toying with the notion of defining these as securities. 
that changes the game because now that basically creates its own regulatory coverage in how you promote, advertise, and distribute this. It doesn't stop you from doing it, but you can't make certain claims. You can't distribute it certain ways. You can't hide certain information. You can't promote certain information that's not true. Like there's all these different ifs and no random crypto out there would be able to sustain that. You're, you're, they wouldn't want that smoke. It would be your big ones that would still support it because they're like, whatever, like Bitcoin. Bitcoin knows for a fact. If they decided to call it a security, it wouldn't change anything because even banks are on board with Bitcoin at this point. So this family, basically the, the SEC, and they're the ones that are in charge of securities and exchanges, general, not just crypto, but general exchanges of some form of currency. SEC got involved. They filed charges basically that these this family created this token called Ormius Coin. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. And anybody who's in Satama or watching Satama, you should listen to this very closely because it's going to sound like, uh-oh. Here's the quote directly from the SEC. These people acted like, quote, modern day snake oil salesmen using social media, promotional websites and in-person roadshows to mine, to, to provide this. This token, I didn't even hear of it. Apparently it's like years ago, but this token, apparently what it was doing is they were supposed to allow mining. They're supposed to allow this to become a big thing. And they did the ad on Times Square and they claimed all these revenue numbers and they said, we got all this other stuff. Well, none of that was true. And so then apparently like 12,000 people, they, they dumped it and they took the money and they ran and they were using social media. They were using YouTube videos. They're using press materials, road shows, and there really was nothing there. It was almost like you were providing something that had no value, but you told them it had value. You didn't have the money to back up what you were saying. Very close to a Bernie Madoff type situation. So it got to as high to, it got as high as, you know, billions and billions of dollars. But he took like 70 million from this thing. One of the, one of the people in this family. And they've been all over people now and increasingly so the Bitfinex deal, uh, the Binance deal, they're all over this. And that's what I keep telling you guys. And I tell people these cryptos, we can't keep making these claims. This ain't an investment or any of that crap. No, it's an investment. If we say it's an investment, if we say it's an investment, guess what? United States government, they're going to play that because they're already thinking it's a security because you're backing it to cryptocurrency. If you heard our episode with Mr. Sagala some time ago, we talked about the fact that pairing it to fiat was one of the worst things that could happen to cryptocurrency because it enabled the government to get in the business. It enabled them to start disrupting things and it enabled the SEC to do these lockdowns. Now, some people say it's for the good. Sometimes it depends on the victim in the case, but it also ties our hands because if cryptocurrency isn't tied to fiat, Nobody has a reason to, there's no way to acquire it other than through trade. You could do trade as long as there's no straight fiat equivalent and it's no longer a security, it's no longer an investment because it doesn't have its own value that could or could not appreciate. So for example, let's say you had an iPad and I have an Android tablet. You happen to want an Android tablet, I happen to want an iPad. If we do a trade, there's nothing the government can say about it because there's no real value equivalency other than the price we paid, which the price we paid is no longer relevant because we now have had it for however long we've had it and it's depreciated. So if we do the trade and we both agree it's what we both want, there's no risk, there's no nothing. 
What I'm saying is that in order for us to be away from this type of a risk of the SEC locking stuff down, we'd have to get crypto back to its fundamentals. We'd have to say that cryptocurrency is what we use to transact. We'd have to say that if we want a certain cryptocurrency, we have to have another cryptocurrency that is, that's worth having in trade. The only way that's going to work is for cryptocurrency to be accepted in the mainstream. And if you've heard me in old episodes, and if you're new to the podcast, CryptoTalkRadio.net, and go back to the archives, I implore you, because you would have heard me say that as long as you can't walk into that corner drugstore with bars on the door and have him take that Dogecoin without looking at you funny, as long as you can't do that, it's not mainstream. It has to be mainstream. It has to be where you can accept it. And they don't, they have to put their own amount around it. It's not like, okay, Dogecoin is 10 cents. And so since it's 10 cents, you need 10 of them to get a dollar. And so I need 500 of them because it's whatever. You No, that can't be that. It is, we'd have to create our own price model around cryptocurrency without thinking about fiat. That's never going to happen. The reason it can't happen, Mr. Segal even talked about it, is people got to get paid. The reason they got to get paid, their home, their food, their kids, their their ancestors, predecessors, anybody that they got to take care of, anything in their business, the home markets, the home builders, everything is around fiat. That means it's never going to be that mainstream where it doesn't care about fiat. We can keep talking about, oh, someday everybody's going to accept Bitcoin. I'll tell you straight up. And it'll uh, this, I believe, will be true long after you and I are off this earth. We will never be in a world where cryptocurrency is the only currency. It'll never happen. Why? Because everything is so ingrained in a fiat mentality. Like you'd have to, if you went all cryptocurrency, there'd be no reason to work. Because the reason that people work is to pay bills. Paying bills is how we then pay those workers. Those workers are employer, employees rather of an employer that employer has to then pay those people in order to pay their home bill, right? And their utilities and their food and everything else. Let's say the food, they have to pay the store in order to get those products. And then the store takes the money to pay their workers. And then it's a cycle, right? It's all connected. You can't get away from it. And if you ever could, there'd be no reason for jobs. There'd be no reason for people to work. I guarantee you long after we're off this earth, we will never be in a world where people don't need to work. It's never going to happen. There's always going to be a dependency on work and your employers are not going to be distributing cryptocurrency to their workers because these businesses want the fiat in order to support what they're doing. You'd have to fundamentally change everything. Even if you had like El Salvador taking Bitcoin, they still have to take fiat because they know they can't just get rid of the fiat currency. It's never going to happen. I'll, I'll say that, and I'm confident. And usually I'm not that confident. Here, there's simply no way. There's just no way. So this whole business on cryptocurrency and fraud and everything else, the more these happen, all it's going to do is cause the SEC and the United States government and even other governments to get to the point where they're going to just start locking stuff down. And that's why I believe that this is a precursor to a ban. I believe that's what it is. I believe that they're going to use the Russia-Ukraine as an excuse for why they have to do it because they're going to say, well, you know, Russia's sneaking currency and they're sneaking behind the scenes and we don't want them to get access to the money and we don't want them to bypass the bans and everything else. So we have to do this for the greater good. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's the right answer. And again, I think they're trying to cram it in there in before rather the November blowout 
And I think it's going to hurt them even further. I think it's just going to increase the probability that they take a blowout, take an L, and get kicked out of office because they're doing everything they can to make sure that your people like you and me, regular people, are not able to get you know our own wealth without already having wealth. That defeats the purpose. On the flip side, a little bit upside, there's a small underdog token. It's not the one I'm going to cover today. I'm going to get there in a second. But there's a different token. It's it's one of these ones that does yield farming as a service, but I'm covering it as in the news, not as a token itself. So if you want to look at it, by all means, but it's called Zido Finance, X-I-D-O specifically. The reason that it's getting any attention is because it has a very constrained inventory. It only has 100 million tokens ever. It does the yield farming like everybody else. And if you heard me, I said like with Seifu, for example, the constrained inventory, I think that's going to have some issues, but we are seeing that some of these finance and these as a service type tokens are getting the vast majority of attention. Zido has been jumping like crazy in the recent, in the recent days, even though everything else is in the red. I don't, I know that the constraint inventory is going to be a problem a little bit. And it went like times three in a short period of time. And it's going up very quickly and people are kind of turning away from the other tokens and going to it. So if it's one that you want to take a look at, then by all means, XIDO Finance is the name of that token. I I have not done any research on it. I'm not going to do any research on it at this point uh, because I think it's just too premature in my opinion. But um, it had, this one has been a while, has been out for a while and kind of been overlooked. And it did the pattern that I predicted on Seifu which gives me more confidence that Seifu is going to do the same thing. This one was able to get as high, if I recall, as high as like $500 or something like that. Then it excessive corrected. It went way down to like $5, $10 or some crazy number. And so now it's kind of been going right back up. So if I'm right, this one, if you want to look at it, it's going to tell us the pattern that Seifu is likely to take. That means that because it has a constrained inventory, just like Seifu, that means that this one in theory should tell us that, okay, Seifu is going to spike to somewhere around, in this case, Seifu has a little bit more inventory. So somewhere around three, four, five, maybe a thousand dollars. And then it's going to crash, completely crash in the consolidation. We're talking people selling out, but it's going to be a crash. Then at some point later, it'll start to come right back up again. This is similar to what happened with Libero, but Libero didn't excessive crash. It just consolidated very smoothly, and then it's been climbing back up again. So take a look at Zido Finance, XIDO Finance, if you're curious about that one and possibly might want to add it to a portfolio. Just, again, know that it is a one of the farming ones, so it's not going to give you excessive amounts of benefit beyond the farming, and maybe the farming is good enough. If you're just adding it to a diverse portfolio, maybe that makes sense. Just know that, again, there's a lot more to it, usually than understanding the the way farming works. There's a lot of farming tokens out there now, and this is yet another one. There may be something behind this one that doesn't apply to the other ones because I haven't done excessive research. Just be careful. Don't YOLO in. It should be all right. The United States Treasury, and then we're almost wrapping up, but the United States Treasury, they want now... Every crypto exchange that is basically they want all of them, but they know that it can only be the ones in the United States. They want the crypto exchanges to register with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Now, this is you might think, okay, that's a good idea, 
But the problem is the motivation. We know that the motivation is driven off of Russia. We know that. However, what they'll usually do is take an abrasive approach, basically punish everybody to try to attack the 0.1% of people that are actually committing crimes. If you take somebody like Coinbase, right? Coinbase does a very good job of averting criminal behavior because it collects a lot of information about who's doing what, and it's happy to distribute and communicate about what's going on out there. So it's not like, we're, it's a hat on a hat. We're not really doing anything above and beyond what we'd already done. Coinbase has already gone through and blacklisted Russia wallets. They've already been taking actions. This one is a hat on a hat. It's Elizabeth Warren again, but also Janet Yellen, who doesn't understand this business, trying to get in front. And this is, mind you, short off, weeks short off, her saying, eh, we don't need any regs right now. We can calm down. Now all of a sudden, okay, we need to go ahead and start doing this and Bank Secrecy Act and this. The other problem with this one is excessive record keeping. So like in today, the Bank Secrecy Act, if you were to try to transmit an amount of money greater than, say, $10,000 to one person, there's all these hoops that you have to go through when you're doing it. Like literally in some cases, walk into a bank branch to do this and then they collect your ID and sometimes they collect fingerprints and they do all this stuff because they want to trace the money from cradle to grave. Again, you might think, well, that's a good idea. The problem is when you're doing it to every single American citizen, you have to start questioning what the true motivation is. And we know it's not Russia. We know it's not criminals because those have always been there. The Office of Foreign Asset Control, who largely oversees the Patriot Act, has put in rules for loans and other distribution of funds for identifying, for example, if your name is on a list of terrorists and then those get false positives all the time because your name is Muhammad, for example, you'll get flagged because we thought you might have flown a plane into a building. That kind of thing is what they're trying to do in the crypto space. Okay, you have a Russian name, so we're going to go ahead and look at you and think that you're probably doing some crime. Or in the worst case, like with me, you have a name that looks like it's you know, British. And so we don't know what the heck's going on there. And are you truly American? It's just not the right answer. And at the end of the day, they're doing that to the exchanges. They're attacking the exchanges because they think that the exchanges can be the key for them to basically expose everybody and who's has what. And then what's that going to lead to? That's going to lead to the tax. Let's collect taxes on these. Let's enforce the taxes. Let's dump all the data that we need on crypto transactions to the tax authority. Speaking of taxes, since we're in tax season, I filed my taxes and I use Coin Tracker and Coin Tracker ties to Coinbase. The Coin Tracker, it'll generate the form you need with all the transactions you need and you just simply attach that and send it to the IRS. So there's, again, it's hat on a hat. We're doing regs when we don't need to. The, re the exchanges are very good about telling you what you need to do. As long as you are with a credible exchange, they're good about telling you what you need to do. Creating more laws is not really the right answer. It just wastes everybody's time and more importantly, taxpayer money. On another note, speaking about now getting away from the government, all that, because they're starting to make me angry, but getting on the contracts. If you heard our coverage of Seifu and some others, we talked about how we go through the contract and we try to identify things in the contract code itself that concern us. We're not telling you what to do or not to do. We look at it and try to see if there's something that concerns us as an investor, because that's what we are. Is this concerning us? Now, we have some detectives, and we're not a detective. We're a regular investor. We have actually some detectives. We have some people who are very good at interpreting code and interpreting what code is doing. 
this person, I don't know if you heard me on an old episode, but I alluded to this, but this person came back and basically said there's there was a couple of contracts they looked at, but they were looking at a couple of things and they said, just know that you can never truly renounce the contract. The original deployer, so the original deployer, and this gets over technical, but basically think of it this way. When you create a contract, somebody had to deploy that. That code, that wallet for that contract, that wallet is the original deployer. When you go in the code and you renounce, what you're saying is you're defining the owner as, in this case, a null address or a dead address or some address that nobody has access to. But the thing is, is that the original deployer never changes because that's the person who deployed it. That original deployer is always considered the real owner of the contract under the hood. And you could theoretically yank the liquidity out after the fact. This came because of NFT research where like f almost $600,000 of, of value was taken off the NFT contract. And when they dug, they said, well, yes, that's because ultimately when these, this whole renouncing ownership, it's, it's smoke and mirrors because you could still get that liquidity out. You're still technically the owner because you're the original deployer of the contract. That doesn't change. And so you could, I've talked about it, where there's still code where you could theoretically get that money out. If you, by hook or crook, wanted to do it, you could do it. And we've seen a number of projects that have done this. So I guess the summary to you is that's why we you'll always hear us say, don't YOLO, don't hold for long periods of time, take profit, because you just don't know. And it ultimately comes down to whether you trust the devs, whether they're behaving like they told you, and whether you trust the project and the course of the project and how it's going. If they're doing things you don't agree with, I would argue that you should take your stuff out and go somewhere else, even if the rate sounds good, like a Seifu, for example, because the risk is there. Now, if you're one of the, if you go back to my three categories of investor, if you're the gambler sort, none of this applies to you because you're already taking the gamble and you're fine. But then in my opinion, you lose the ability to complain about it if that guy rug pulls on you because you took that risk and you should only blame yourself for taking that risk as the gambler that you are. So just be careful. But again, in summary, I'm always, you're always going to hear me say, don't YOLO, don't hold for excessive period of time, take profit because it's the smarter way. Many of us in the business will tell you we had to learn the hard way. It wasn't smart to just hold for the long term and we really need to take profits. That, of course, assumes that you bought in enough to where you can keep taking profits, but keep benefiting from what's going on with the price movement of the token. Because otherwise, if you don't, you'll get into like a Satama situation where people bought in essentially not YOLO, but they bought a lot <laughs> leading up to the failed Vegas event November 13th. And now they're sitting on essentially worthless tokens because it keeps dropping in value despite what's going on. So the summary is if, if you're new to it, right, just again, don't YOLO in, which means don't ape in, which means don't just give give money you can afford to lose. If you know it's throwaway money, you're probably okay. I know it's tempting to toss more in there and it's okay as long as you've got, it's like spare money. It's throwaway money. It's not money that's going to affect you feeding your kids. It's not money that's going to affect you paying your bills. It's throwaway money you don't care about. You don't care if you lose it because there's a high probability that you might lose it. And we're not trying to instill fear in you. We're trying to make you cautious and prepared for what we know is likely to happen. Everybody gets scammed at least once in the crypto journey. And as crypto evolves and scammers get more advanced, it is what it is. It's going to happen.
One more bit of news, and then we're going to get to our underdog token for the day. Jake Paul. Most people know who Jake Paul is by now, either because you know about him from YouTube or you know about him from his fights. But one way or the other, you probably know about Jake Paul. Jake Paul, if you've heard me on a past episode, you heard me talk about the Schillers and my disdain for true Schillers. And again, I want to stress there's a difference in distinction how I classify a Schiller. If you are talking about the fundamentals of a token, if you're backing it up with data, if you're giving some analysis, if you're giving an opinion, that is not to me a Schiller, even if you were paid to do it, because you're giving both sides. You're giving pros and cons and things you see good and things that need to be fixed. and You're giving a totality of coverage. To me, a shiller is one that takes the money and all, and then it let me go to the moon with me. And then they dump on it, which happened to pair a token, which I tried to ward them. And then it got triggered. Those are the shillers I'm talking about. Jake Paul has now been confirmed. And this is kind of common knowledge, but Jake Paul has been confirmed to basically be a shiller by my definition of set. And people have looked into it and they found that he's been shilling quite a few different projects. And because he has such a strong following on YouTube, this is really bad for him, but Safe Moon was associated with this because he was he was associated on on the Safe Moon project, shilling it. And that if you go back to the old episodes, I covered Safe Moon and the fact they couldn't seem to get out of the drought that they've been in. But also Nick Carter, for those that are young, he's part of the group Backstreet Boys or was Soldier Boy, the rapper, little Yachty I never heard of, but all of these were shilling Safe Moon to the moon. Doo, doo, doo. And then of course I talked about recently the Lana Rhodes and she ripped somebody off. Apparently some of the NFTs that she was shilling or she was pitching came from Jake Paul. So he's connected to that. So now all these guys are working together and that's the thing. They're all working together. They're all wealthy together and then they're taking stuff from you. And so they're just, they're just taking the money. So there's no real action to take on this other than what I've constantly been telling you, which is, if it were up to me, I would say true shillers, and I want to stress that, true shillers by my definition would be completely banned. That you cannot just, you have to have been an investor in the project and there has to be documentation, has to be reported to the government so that if it turns out that you basically dump immediately after you shill it, then you are on the hook to pay those people back. Like something where we can protect people from those kinds where they just dump immediately after the project and tank it and it never recovers which, by the way, happened to Paratoken and has not recovered since. And now they're doing another migration. And I think the migration is going to be the death knell. I hope not, but I think it's going to be for Paratoken, all because they went after Schiller's when it wasn't the right answer. And many of them just don't listen when I try to warn them of this, even though it's kind of common sense. They just don't listen. So let's go ahead and get into our underdog token for the day. Now, this one, I've already done coverage on YouTube, so I'm just going to put it into the episode here so we can talk about it and then go ahead and wrap up, and then I will do another YouTube episode. We've got a little bit more uh, that I have not given you on YouTube, and then I'll be putting those also on Thursday's episode. So I've got a lot of pre-recorded content I'm going to be adding to the show, and that's because it's a strong bet that the business will be moving either this week or next week to a new state and I need to get settled. So I did some pre-records, get it all ready to go so that it was easy to get it spliced into the show. And then I wouldn't be behind and I keep track on the schedule. We're still on track to do that relocation. I'm waiting on an email, actually five <laughs> emails back for various areas. And then I got a call here Thursday that I hope 
will result in some good news so that we can uh, start moving this needle, get into a state that actually cares about American people and get back on track. And then, of course, I've committed to you that from what I can tell, I should still be able to maintain my momentum for the recording schedule, although I may need to shift around Gentleman's World and uh, Basic Cryptonomics in terms of what days the general schedule will remain the same. So without further ado, let's get into our underdog token here. This underdog token being Terrarium. Everybody's been talking about Terrarium, and I'm going to call it an underdog, despite the fact that it's somewhat popular, because Terrarium, as it currently stands, only has about 6,000 holders. Terrarium's on the Ethereum network. Their site is terrarium.com. And I'm. let me give some caveat, because this information was never disclosed on the main podcast. I'm pretty sure I didn't. And so I'm going to go ahead and share that here now so you understand where I stood and I covered this on YouTube. I'm going to add that to the episode here. Take a listen. I got some requests and they were not unexpected. The requests are around a cryptocurrency that recently launched and There's a couple that are either in the process of launching or recently launched. I get requests to cover them because people appreciate my coverage, most of which you can find at CryptoTalkRadio.net where you can find all our various platforms. But Also on YouTube, the liberal episode is arguably the most popular episode across every platform that we have, across every part of the podcast. It's major demand. People loved it. They thought it was great. And then they thought they loved, they they loved how I schooled the people who were the critics, the diehards on Titano. So there's at least an audience for this, the, the coverage, the neutral coverage, that there's no shilling. We cover it straight down the middle and we invite the tokens that want the smoke to come and talk it out and none of them want that smoke. We understand. A lot of them just, they don't want the smoke. So we don't press it. We just put the invitation out there and hopefully they will come back and speak to us. But we got some requests for another token that we're not going to do any coverage on, at least at this point. We may consider doing it in the future, but as it stands right now, there's no plan to cover it, that being Terrarium. And in summary, the reason that I'm hesitant to cover Terrarium, I want to be clear and transparent about why I'm not going to cover it now. Terrarium has, in its terms, you look at the site and it's all clean, but in its terms and conditions, there's a line in there, and it's a couple sentences, but there's a specific line that I'm targeting. If you go back to CryptoTalkRadio.net, And we'll even share a snippet of that episode, but I do encourage you to listen to the whole episode in its entirety. We covered a token way back in late December called Meta Bull Run. Meta Bull Run had a lot of hype at the time. It was jumping like crazy. It had an amazing active community. They were all over, of course, it's Telescan, but the point is it had an amazing active community. They were on Twitter. They're doing all this stuff. And it it was at the forefront of everybody's you know, money spend. People were all over this because at the time, if you remember late December, we didn't have a lot of tokens that were really thriving. Most of them were struggling. Rich Quack was thriving and a few select others, but generally speaking, everything was down. So it was unexpected to see this made a bull run. And I took a look at it and did fundamental analysis. And when I saw what was going on, I actively didn't recommend that anybody buy into the project primarily, not exclusively, but primarily because of a line that I saw in their white paper that really, frankly, pissed me off. And I see similar verbiage in Terrarium's white paper. And it is the reason that I'm choosing not to invest in Terrarium because if you didn't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say made a bull run, made a bull run, rug pulled. 
it had locked liquidity. It had everything looking fundamentally sound. It was growing like crazy. And then it eventually rug pulled. And you're like, well, if it was locked liquidity, how could it have rug pulled? That's the question, isn't it? The reason is because the way locking works. And I said before on previous episodes that even if you have locked liquidity, it doesn't really matter. Even if you have renounced ownership, it doesn't really matter because you can always build functions in the contract to get around these limitations. Or you can exploit buys and sells and that sort of stuff. So there's ways that you can get around it. And so I think that people didn't really understand. They didn't really understand how that all works. So as I'm watching this, I'm saying, okay, there's a problem here. I understand what the heck's going on. I see that this is going to be an issue. I see that this is going to be a major problem. And I don't really have a full appreciation or understanding about what this really means. When I looked at the line, and I'm gonna, it's on the thumbnail, but I'm going to also dig a little bit deeper into it. But when I looked at the line, it tells me that they are trying to absolve themselves of all risk. They're trying to say, you know what? We're not at any risk if you lose money. We're not at any risk if, and to some credit, when it's a cryptocurrency, there is some absolution of risk just by virtue of the fact that it's your choice to invest. But you can't say certain things. You can't say that it's not an investment. It's an investment, a definition of an investment is I'm giving you money under the expectation of a growth of value. That's the simple definition of an investment. And value doesn't necessarily mean fiat. It just means value of some sort. There's an expectation of increase. Otherwise, I wouldn't give you the money. If you were to invest, let's say, into a nonprofit, the value might be that they solved world hunger. Whatever that is, you have an expectation of some value in return for money I gave you. And it's almost always money I gave you there's an expectation of increase of value. That's an investment by definition. Every cryptocurrency, because they're pegged to fiat, is an investment at the core. So when I see lines like I saw in Made a Bull Run and lines I see in Terrarium's white paper, it tells me, you guys are trying to dust your hands of this, bro, and that's not going to work, because, brother, because I realize, no, it's, it is an investment. You will not tell me it's not an investment, and I will not agree to your turn telling me that it's not an investment because I know it's an investment because I give you money for it. I have not invested in Terrarium. I didn't invest in Made a Bull Run for the same reason. When you have a token developer that tells you that your money is basically nothing, it's basically a waste, it's basically throwaway. No, I find that unacceptable, unethical, and almost illegal in some forms. Because if they take that money, if they, and they even go, Terrarium is even worse. They say, we're not guaranteeing any liquidity. No, that's not acceptable. They can say, we can't guarantee volume because that's outside of their control. But liquidity is within their control. Even if there's no volume or no active volume and not significant volume, there always has to be liquidity because you would have had to put liquidity into the thing to start with the project and you have to have liquidity in there to support trade. So if you're telling me you won't guarantee liquidity availability, that means, well, you know, we got hacked, we're done. Deep, deep. Or that, you know, we, we just yanked it and who had too bad, so sad. No, 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 that's not going to work. And so I'm not going to cover terrarium today because there's a risk, high risk red flag to me when you tell me that the money I give you is not an investment, it's already at the point where you're, uh, no, persona non grata. So later, I might reconsider. I need to see more from them. If they'd like to come on the show and talk to me, I'm happy to have them and I will hit them with hard questions to explain that because it's not true, especially in the United States. I can't speak for other countries, but in the United States, we know it's not true. We know their investments. It's it's stupid to not call it an investment. So there's, from my angle, 
not enough here for me to advocate it. And thus, I don't want to do full coverage until that's resolved. That is a gap that I will not support any other coverage until we resolve that, which is easy. Get rid of that verbiage because you, you can't support that, at least in the United States, with a straight face. I know there's people, very notable people, who have bought into the project and they like the project and they did the pre-sale and all that stuff. I'm saying from my perspective and my angle, and you can make up your own mind however you choose, that line, which is on the thumbnail, is not acceptable in certainly in the United States, but in other countries, I would suspect. And people should be a little bit hesitant. If you toss a little bit of money and see how it goes, that's cool. But it's it's your risk to bear, I guess I say. And uh, as such, you should not really expect coverage from me on this. I'll close this out by playing the snippet that I said for made a bull run. So you kind of understand where I'm going with this. And then we'll close out on this. And then it gets to the very last page where there's a legal disclaimer, quote unquote. And I want to stress something to you. Anybody can write up a legal disclaimer and put it anywhere they want. It doesn't mean Jack. Okay. They can say whatever. It doesn't mean Jack. It's not enforceable because if it's ultimately illegal, it's not enforceable regardless of what they say to be true. I want to put that out there. So I read, I read their disclaimer and it's also at the bottom of the page, the same paragraph. And I want to make sure you are clear why I said what I just said. Quote, if you have purchased the token, you agree that you are not purchasing a security or investment. That's a lie. You are purchasing an investment because you are investing in something that has no tangible and thus by definition is an investment because you expect a return of some sort. This is a generic definition of investment. That's exactly what it is. They can't tell you it's not an investment. And them trying to tell you it's not an investment is them trying to obfuscate the fact that they might take your money and be okay with it. No, if they try to do that, it's wrong and they could be held legally liable because by definition it is an investment. Now what it's not is it's not a portion of ownership in any organization because there's no company. That would be true, but you can't say it's not an investment. That's not, that's not true. It doesn't make any sense to even say that. And it would have to be a security if there is anything backing it. That means that there's any sort of fiat equivalent value that can be attributed to it, which there is by way of the liquidity pools, that then gets into the realm of securities trading. And there's a kind of fine line where if you went to a court of law, they're probably going to fine for you. So I would ignore that statement. I'm being honest in my opinion. I would ignore that statement. Quote, the team cannot be held liable for any losses or taxes you may incur. Here's the problem with that statement. Number one, it's a lie because if the loss is due to fraudulent means or those that violate the laws within the, the country of origin that you are from, then yes, they can be held liable. They don't give a damn what they have to say about it. Yes, you can be held liable because you broke the law in causing those losses. We see that all the time. You cannot just say, hey, it's out of our hands. No, it's in your hands if you broke the law. And by calling it not an investment, you already broke the law. So yes, if it went to a court of law, these guys get nailed. The KYC hopefully would help if it's legit. I just said, I hope there's a different org to make sure it's legit. But that's, yeah. So that was our stance on Terrarium. And that was based on the information presented on the site that we reviewed. And we released that to YouTube. That has not, to my recollection, been released on the main show. We are now releasing that here for you to hear. So that if you were curious, and let's say you did know about Terrarium, you know why we didn't cover Terrarium. It's because 
at the time, their documentation provided some very challenging, very risky information. Well, they've backtracked and they've done an update. They changed the white paper and they've done it to our satisfaction. Now, of course, the changes that they made tell me that I'm not going to be investing in it, but the reasons are different. And I'll get to that in a second. But just so that you know, they resolved the main concern I had, which was telling me that it's not an investment when they know that it is. They fixed that. So the white paper's clean. It's a PDF that makes me happy. Hercules, Hercules. So that's good uh, that they did the white paper. Again, it's on the Ethereum chain. I don't really like Ethereum, but I understand why they did this. And the the grass has been growing. It's been growing leaps and bounds. It's got a volume that's like 7 million. So it's got a huge amount of volume for what's expected. It's already half a billion in market cap or they're close. The supply on this dude is, it's, I wouldn't say it's, I don't really care for the supply. It doesn't really affect me personally, but I don't really care for the supply of it all. Uh, the supply looks like it's going to be a hundred quadrillion tokens. And then they burned half of it. So same gimmick as before. And then they added some to the liquidity. They did a pre-sale. They did some airdrops. Uh, there's a marketing and development wallet. That's about nine quadrillion of the total. And then there's a reserve that's just under nine quadrillion of the total. And then they built an LLC around it. And the fact that there's an LLC is what has been appealing to people because it's similar to Satama in a way. So you have seen a lot of money move from Satama over into this terrarium. And there's a lot of volume to seriously, a lot of volume. And the, the funny thing, and I'm going to get to this in a second. The funny thing about this volume is if it's true that the vast majority of these people are coming from the Satama whales that sold off this dude, when I look at the general tokenomics, it's got a 3% burn, 3% rewards, reflections, basically, and 3% that goes to the marketing wallet. So it already started with a marketing wallet, and then you do 3% on top of it. You lock some of the liquidity, and then you do the rewards. They basically took kind of the roadmap of what Satama was built to do and then created a whole new project around it. The joke at going on social media was when this launched, all it had was a bunch of doctors in front of it. And I think people misunderstood because yes, it's true that they are by and large doctors, but it was not, it, that's not the importance of the reason that they got into it. These people that got into this are financially sound. Like we're talking people that are business sound. Uh, the main guy, he got criticism because he used to be a pilot. That's true, but he also has founded businesses. Uh, the guy that was a CFO Yes, it's true that he's in the medical space, but he's also been an educator. The guy that's kind of been advising the project, yes, it's true he's a cardiologist, but he's also been in real estate and so on. Like you had strong business minds in front of it, but there were no technical people. The technical people came after the fact. So then they added a UX person, which that's good. Um, UX is user experience, if you don't know what that is. They added a people officer, which means they plan to build and ramp up financial advisory, which I think is necessary. Uh, technology, just development. They had a couple people there. They came after the fact. So the people were giving them crap because it's like, why didn't you hire the devs up front? Well, I flip it around. Hiring the business people up front might actually be to their benefit because it allowed them to form the LLC and form everything correctly to try to at least be in compliance. That's why I called them out on the initial stage of their PDF, which actually wasn't a PDF. It was a gitbook, but they were talking about hey, you got this and it's not an investment and we can rip you off. And I'm like, no, that's crap. So that, that's why I gave him so much flack because I'm like, you guys are business people, you know this. The current version fixed that. So somebody had the conversation, probably heard our show 
Let's pat ourselves on the back, but they fixed it. Now the fix is worth talking about. And it is because of that fix, I will, if you're in the United States or you're in China or you're in any of the China allies, quote unquote, I'm going to recommend that you don't invest in it. If you do so, you do so at your own risk because the verbiage in their document, and just to be clear, this is actually very good verbiage. It just doesn't sound good, but it actually is good from a legality perspective. The verbiage that they updated now basically says that if you're in, if we, if you live, we, so investors live in a country where cryptocurrency might be called a security, you just heard me talk about that which is basically going to be United States and China, as we can foresee. China's already done lockdowns. But United States is on the verge of trying to do something. You heard me say that. That's why I tied it in this episode, because I knew it was coming. If you're in a country that is even thinking about doing it, we're, quote, prohibiting you from doing this. And they talk about KYC to try to identify where they're coming from. Now, here's the, the reason I said you're doing it at your own risk. They can't prevent Uniswap from blocking, you know, from allowing people to do the trades. So because they can't prevent Uniswap from doing the trades, if somebody goes to Uniswap and does the trade, Uniswap is going to allow it. They're on TrustSwap. TrustSwap is just for locking the liquidity as far as I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case. So TrustSwap isn't where you're going to be able to buy the tokens, but Uniswap is not going to block you from buying the tokens. If you want to buy the tokens, they will gladly let you do it. And then there's other places where you can buy it. And then they're trying to get on centralized exchanges. Some of the centralized exchanges aren't going to care. So I, I'm saying that I question how they're going to enforce that statement. If And I think that although it's a good statement because it basically resolves the previous issue, I think the way they should have worded that is to simply say what, I, what one inch did, which I didn't agree with the way they did it, but they fixed it, is if you're in a country that fits this category, we cannot be held responsible for any liabilities around the trading of this because your country might call it a security someday, which might cause you some financial da, 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 da. Like, don't say, no, you can't. They can't enforce that. I would rather they just say, if you choose to take that risk, understand that your country might come after you later and it's up to you if you take that risk because that's really where we're at. At the end of the day, if people want to go into Uniswap and buy this dude, they can go to Uniswap and buy this dude. Uniswap's not going to do any KYC. And if you got on exchanges, if you really wanted to enforce it, that means you're not going to get on KuCoin because KuCoin doesn't care. <laughs> you could get on Gate.io. They do KYC, but KY, they don't stop you from doing it. They'll just warn you. Uh, LBank doesn't stop you. Hotbit, to my knowledge, doesn't stop you. Bitmart, to my knowledge, doesn't stop you. There's no Binance US. Binance.com probably won't carry it. Like, no matter what they do, I don't think they could stop it from happening if the people want to buy it, which is why I'm just recommending if they're listening, what you should have done is simply tell people, look, it's possible in your country, this might be called a security one day. And if you choose to take the risk of buying this, you own that risk at that point that it could be called a security and whatever laws apply in your country, you're going to be subject to, and you probably want to consult legal advisory before investing. Da, 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 da. But they took the aggressive of, no, you, we're, this isn't an investment. No, that's, that's crap. Or this ain't a security. No, that's not up to you. Or in this current case, it's, you're not allowed to do this. No, that's not the way it works. It reminds me, and some people will be listening to this, I believe, it reminds me of Chris Jericho telling Jim Cornette he's banned from watching AEW, like he's going to ban him from watching the TV from his own basement. You, there are certain things you can't ban. You can't do it. 
So you can tell people, look, we don't recommend you do this. Here's why. You're not going to stop it. Uniswap, if people want to buy it, and, and anybody listening to this, if what I've described in terms of the tokenomics or the popularity, the graph, or anything else appeals to you enough, you can buy it. Nothing stops you from buying it if you choose to. And again, I think it's a solid project. I've always thought it was a solid project. My biggest heartburn was them telling people that it's not an investment. They fixed that. So I no longer have any concerns on the project other than the way that they worded that term and condition in the document, not because it harms me, but because I think that anybody like any attorneys or anybody who's smart is going to look at that and say, well, wait a minute, what the heck are you talking about? So my feedback to you guys, and again, I've, I've been in the business. I'm not talking crypto. I'm talking in legality, security. Da, da, da. My feedback to you guys is I think Terrarium is actually a good project. I think it's a solid project. I think it's got people behind it that are going to take care of you better than Satama ever could have. I think you got smarter people behind it. I don't think they make unrealistic promises. I think it's a longer play uh, in, in the big picture. It's already dropped some zeros. I think it's a longer play. And the only reason I think it's a longer play is because the way that they did the pre-sale, you've already gotten to a point where the capacity, it's already going to hit that, that consolidation point here soon. I suspect that to be the case. I could be way wrong because it could be that all the whales are just continuing to flow into this thing over time and then it'll never slow down. Or if it does, it'll take it a while to do so given the inventory that's remaining in the quadrillions. But I'm saying from my evaluation of it, it looks like a solid project. They resolved the one issue that I had and I applaud them for doing so. I do think that they should have worded it differently because that may turn off smarter investors that are looking at it from a legality perspective because it's a strong probability to be considered a security. That doesn't mean you can't trade it. It means you got to rethink the legal risk and the tax risks of having it, holding it, and what that looks like when you get to the SAC and whatever they're going to do. Never have I said, don't buy it. I said, I wasn't going to buy it till they fixed that. They fixed it. I'll take a look at it. I probably won't invest in it, but who knows? I might change my mind because of what Paratoken did and the nonsense over there. I might just simply take some of that money, toss it over into Terrarium to at least try to recoup what I lost through the Paratoken uh, fiasco. That's all I got for you here today. Uh, it's been a little bit longer of an episode, but that's not a bad thing because I'm working on quality of the episodes as coverage and better content with the new schedule that's working very well for me. It allows me to relax my brain, let my conscience be free, get down with the sounds of the Warren G and realign and then prepare for what's going to happen this week and the upcoming potential move, likely move that's going to be happening. So I will be doing some more YouTube episodes here between today and Thursday. And then Thursday is the next podcast episode. The other thing is on the YouTube side and on Thursday, you're going to, I'm going to be sharing some information to help anybody that's lost some money, try to recoup some of it. So I definitely recommend you tune in. If you don't tune in on a regular basis, I will be increasing that kind of coverage because it's time to start talking about other ways to make some money because that's all we're all here for. And especially with what the government's going to be doing and locking stuff down, it's going to be important to have multiple conduits to keep things going. For now, take care. I'll check in with you as far as the podcast, main podcast on Thursday. Remember, CryptoTalkRadio.net, we would greatly appreciate you sharing out to anybody else that would benefit from this information. If they're just starting the crypto journey or they're already in it, 
We think we got some of the best coverage out there, bar none. If you agree, please share the word. Let your friends benefit just as I think you do. Take care.